Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 98 of How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad that you're here. Today, I talk to the marvelous Toby Neal, who is a friend of mine that I just love, and I find her so inspiring. And this is a purely selfish show. Uh, I deviate from the questions that I normally ask, and we just talk about things that interest us, uh, which include making money and um, series and the retreat we're going to do. But before we jump into that, you're going to love this interview. Uh, If you're watching on the video, disregard my state. I just got back from a long walk on the beach with the dog because today I was feeling a little bit blue and I like to take care of myself when I do that. So I decided that my dog Clara looked a little blue too. So we went and played on the beach and it was marvelous and I feel like a new woman. Uh, There's no reason for me to feel blue. It's just, I think it's a seasonal thing. Honestly, me and my sisters all kind of We have like reverse SAD. Summer is more difficult than other times and winter and fall are fantastic. So, um, but on, in very good news, I get to share with you a couple of things. Um, and I'm feeling good about these. I can finally, finally tell you that I sold my thriller. It is now official. I sold it to Dutton, which is a penguin imprint, um, to my new editor, Stephanie Kelly, whom I already adore. We have a title for the thriller. It's called Stolen Things. It'll be out next year uh, in August. So, you know, about a year from now. And I have the revisions in hand and they're doable and sensible and they'll just make the book better. And they're, they're not that hard. Um, it's, just, it's fantastic. It's really, really cool. And the other thing that is really exciting is that, and I can hardly believe this, but it's going to be in hardcover. What? Um, what? So I'm, I'm launching as a, as a fake debut as authors sometimes just do, uh, because the Rachel Heron name has been used for women's fiction, romance, nonfiction, memoir. Uh, and, I just needed a new name for this. So they asked if I'd be willing to write, um, to, to publish this book under a, a different name. So I said, of course, let's do that. It'll help with the algorithms as well. So this will come out under R.H. Heron. And I think that sounds appropriately thrillery, right? R.H. Heron. And then I found out it's going to be in hardcover. I'm of two minds. Um, the biggest part of my mind is just like this huge ego stroke, right? To see your book in hardcover in a Barnes and Noble on the front shelf with the, you know, the, the new fiction releases, um, that is going to be really, really gratifying, really gratifying. I, I'm not going to lie about that. That is just purely ego. Um, a small part of me worries about the price. However, the Kindle price will remain about the same as it would be anyway. And, um, so my readers will follow that. And I think with this, uh, they, they're going for a new audience anyway. I'm going to bring some of my audience over, but a lot will not transfer over to Thriller. So um, they are presenting it to Thriller readers who tend to buy hardcovers. So that's great. And then presumably the, a year after that, it'll be re- uh, released in trade paperback. So really the book will have two releases and two marketing plans and two publicity pushes. So it's super exciting to me. I am firmly hybrid. You know that. Um, 
I love the self-publishing that I do and I, and I really, I love the traditional stuff and this is just a brand new uh, venue for me and it's incredibly exciting and I'm so happy that I finally get to share that with you. It's been, you know, a secret that you might have guessed because I've been very cheerful about that thriller lately. But, um, so that's, that's what I have to tell you and I'm stoked. Um, another thing that I'm really stoked about right now is I'm holding a Patreon pledge drive. And what that means is that I have, um, uh, a, a little raffle going on. If you join my Patreon campaign within the next two weeks, there's a, I'll, I'll send you to the form to do that. Um, or you could just join as a new patron. Uh, all patrons are entered in this. Uh, you win the chance to have me fly out to hang out with you, presumably if you enter and if you're my patron, you would want that. Um, but I'll do a reading in your town. I will either couch surf on your sofa. Um, if you're not an axe murderer, if you are one, then I'm going to tell, stay at the Motel 6 and I am well-armed and trained in self-defense. I just need you to know that. But um, basically, it can be anywhere in the continental United States. I have frequent flyer fly miles on Southwest. This will not cost me very much. And I think it would be a really fun thing to do. So you should go support me on Patreon. I, I... I really think you should. Um, at a dollar a month, you get access to the last 17 essays on creativity, which is some of the work I am most proud of doing. And as a creative person, as a writer, you want to read those essays. I am going to toot my own horn. They are, they are some of my strongest work and I love writing them. And every month I write another one. Uh, so why don't you go over to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, and join that. Um, if you go to my Facebook page, uh, is probably the best place to find where the actual entry is. Um, basically, you get one entry for every dollar that you pledge at the Patreon per month. And you can get a ton of other entries by doing things like tweeting about it, Facebooking about it, um, sharing on Instagram or joining my, you know, following me on Instagram, which is fun. And also, um, you should follow me on Instagram because right now I have puppies. I have those puppies I told you about and they are adorable and they are now nine days old and their eyes are still not open, which is hilarious. They're these huge little tubes of puppies. They're like puppy tubes, still not able to walk and their eyes are closed, but they're like a third the size of their mother. Um, so Instagram has a lot of those on there. Okay. So I actually looked it up and the place that you can actually go directly to without trying to futz around on my Facebook page, go to rachelherron.com slash 2018 pledge drive. Let me make sure that's right. Yes, rachelherron.com, 2018 pledge drive, all one word. And then you can, I think you can get up to 16 entries for that. So go do that. Bring me to your town. I'm a fun gal. Uh, we'll have a good time and we'll, we'll talk about your creativity, you know, your writing. Uh, it'll be great. So do join. And speaking of that, I have some new patrons, which I would like to name check right now. Um, thank you to Julie Strauss. Donna Kirshner, you beautiful thing you I've worked with Donna in the past. She's awesome. Annika Baranti Klein. Hi there. Anne Marie Gray. Yay. Edward Giordano, a friend of mine. Um, Katie Summers Reed, who is my rad tax person. She's rad. Um, Samantha Sanders, who basically is runs Writer's Digest. So thanks, you guys. Um, these are fabulous new patrons. I will not let you down. And Go join my Patreon right now. Spin over in your desk. Patreon.com slash Rachel. Um, 
I might come see you. And no matter what, you're going to get the essays and all the other perks and bonuses and stuff like that. Uh, and you are going to hear about this next week too, because it's a pledge drive, just like KQED. This shows me that you support me as an artist and you want me to continue doing this. I'm trying to ease my way out of um, teaching this class at Berkeley. Uh, which is difficult for me to teach as an online course. And I would like to have the funds to be able to stop doing that and just focus on this creative nonfiction. So that said, let's jump into the episode with Toby Neal in which we talk about a um, retreat that's coming up. And I feel like this is an all sales all the time channel, but it's really not. Uh, Toby and I have such a good time and our teaching together is going to be dope. So enjoy her. She's fabulous. She's talented. She's extremely successful and you want her on your team. So enjoy the show and we'll talk soon. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome my friend Toby Neal. Hi, Toby. Hi, Rachel. Oh, oh my, my God. God, this is so fun. I am so excited to have you. Listeners, you um I there's a lot of crossover from my show to Joanna Penn show, and you probably caught Toby Neal on Joanna Penn show. Um, you blew my mind that day. I was like, and I was in my car listening, and I was thinking, that's my friend. That's my friend. And I'm also <laughs> taking notes as I'm driving because you were saying so many amazing things. But let me give you a little introduction to those who may not know who you are. Um, mm -hmm. Toby Neal was born to hippie surfer parents and grew up up on Kauai in Hawaii. She read at four, wrote and illustrated her first story at five. Holding degrees in psychology, human services, social work, and creative writing, Toby is passionate about empowering writers. She has published over 30 novels in a variety of genres with many more in the works. The Lay Crime series is a multi-volume, million-plus selling police procedural mystery series situated in the Hawaiian Islands. She also has a line of award-winning romances and has partnered on a series of popular romance thrillers. Recently, Toby rolled her counseling and writing careers into the T.W. Neal Writer Shrink brand, which includes nonfiction books, workshops, experiences, and coaching. The Writer Shrink platform brings small groups of authors together for powerful motivational retreats and in-person and online workshops. Retreat events combine Toby's unique, deep counseling and speaking style with visiting experts such as lawyers and agents at the forefront of publishing. And I must say right now, you and I are doing a little retreat here coming up in like eight weeks or so. Oh my God, I can't wait. It's going to be so awesome. It's so close. So Toby and I are kind mm -hmm. of experimenting with working together mm -hmm. because we love each mm -hmm. other. And mm -hmm. I'm running this um, budget. I know I've talked about it on the podcast, but I'll bring it up here right now too. Um, mm -hmm. Budget Writer's Retreat uh, in Pigeon mm -hmm. Point Lighthouse, which mm -hmm. is on the central mm -hmm. coast of California. It's on the northern coast of California, um, just south of Half Moon Bay. And we mm -hmm. have this entire house at a lighthouse with like dorm style living and a big kitchen where we're going to be cooking up food when we're not going to the local awesome restaurants. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll be doing my signature writing from your core mm -hmm. workshop, bringing mm -hmm. out bringing mm -hmm. out the heart of your writing, the soul of your writing. Mm -hmm. And Toby, tell me a little bit about what you're going to be like guest spot appearing here. Um, yeah. Um, well, my unique, um, I should say, offering um, to bring to the table is that uh, my background in counseling, I have learned um, to use affirmations and hypnosis 
And so what I'm planning to do and what I've done at a, my former retreats that's been super powerful is get get from each writer um, a positive statement of something that they would like to see happen in their writing that's um, mm. maybe it's a reframe of a problem they've been having or a stumbling block uh, that they encounter a lot. And then what I do is what we ha- we all get together in the morning. We'll have like a half an hour of this sort of vision casting time. And I'll lead everyone through um, an experience with their affirmations and weaving them all together with positive suggestions that will hopefully what we another thing that's been great is I record that. And then I invite mm. everyone after the retreat to access the, the recording and they can listen to it as often as they want. And again, have this sort of immersion. Um, it's like you basically take a nap and listen to these wonderful affirmations that will begin to rewrite your, your thinking. So it's a powerful tool that is based in my, in my clinical background. And, uh, I've used that for a lot of counseling clients with depression, anxiety, things like that. And then I just began to experiment with writer's block and, you know, um, being afraid of social media or whatever it might be and really seeing some great success with that. That is super exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I knew that that's what you were going to do, but to actually hear it in those words from you mm-hmm. makes me so grateful that I'm going to be there and be able to participate and listen to this. So whoever, comes, yeah, you could be thinking be- right now, like, what is your like? One of the ones I'm working on is yeah. is 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 attracting wealth, right? Hell yeah, My writing, yeah. And we have a lot of myths and subtle beliefs from the publishing industry, from the sort of the ivory tower mentality of the past that really constricts our belief in our earning power and subtly influences how we go about, you know, conducting our writing business. And Mm -hmm. so that's one that I'm working on is that I believe I can make millions at my writing. And, and that is one that I'm working on. So that's the kind of thing we're Taking time from family was a big thing with my last retreat participants that they, they struggled with guilt, you know, mm. taking time for their writing and for themselves and, um, things like that. So we just wove them all together and it was really interesting and wonderful to have, wow. you know, the different things from each person who was at, who was a participant. And then those are all woven together in the recording. As I do that and everybody sort of maybe you'll be lying down on a comfy surface and just listening. And then, um, I record that and then I put it on Google Drive and invite everybody who's at the part to, at the retreat to be able to access that and have it as their gift going forward. They can listen to it as often as they want. And like I just worked myself out of having counseling clients because this turned out to be such an effective technique for different <laughs> kinds of things. I'm I- like, wow, they see me for three months and then they're done. Well, okay. You know, <laughs> I, I love it um, when my coaching clients, um, mm-hmm. who, who I'm working with, like on a book, they'll, I'll, they'll, I'll, they'll work their way out of my practice and I'll yeah. have to fire them yeah. because recently I did that yeah. to one of my favorite clients. I'm like, you don't need me anymore. Yeah. You finished yeah. your book. It's brilliant. Fly, yeah. fly. <laughs> don't you love that? I mean, that's so satisfying. And, uh, anyway, this technique is super effective and it combines a bunch of different things, but it's also fun and enjoyable and a great way to start the day. So when I, when I did my last retreat, we started our day with that. 
Um, and then we went into talks, you know, and everybody was just in a really receptive, relaxed, yeah. you know, happy frame of mind and had been able to sort of leave everything at the door that, you know, and I think that that's one of the great benefits of retreats in general is that we're, we're, we're setting aside time. We're creating a bubble to go deep. And, um, and that's why I believe in that. I believe in them. I really do too. And there's a, there's a really huge component of honoring your craft by mm-hmm. doing them. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you mm-hmm. are taking the time away from your family and you are saying, mm-hmm. more importantly, you're saying to yourself, I am worth this. And mm-hmm. it sounds like we're trying to sell this and we're not. We're like, this is, this is why I believe in mm-hmm. this. Although we are mm-hmm. also trying to sell it. Um, so how often do you use these kind of, uh, affirmations and hypnosis stuff with yourself in your own writings is it something that you do every day or is it like every, once a month or what's a year you go oh, I need to have this do this with a tune-up yeah um well there's so much solid clinical evidence in the effectiveness of hypnosis that it's it's commonly used these days for pain management mm-hmm. for relaxation all these things so I make myself recordings whenever I like I had some anxiety anxiety is the thing that I struggle with in in my life personally and I was afraid of flying and so as soon as I learned hypnosis I made my own thing got through flying then it was the dentist chair fixed myself for dentist chair like whenever I hit um an anxiety barrier I make myself uh, a recording around that and again the trick the thing with it is we have a problem that helps us identify what do we want instead of the problem? Mm -hmm. How do we want to face traveling? You know, for instance, how do we want to feel about standing in those lines and whatever? So what, so that's where you start with the problem in order to spark your thinking towards what you want. And then the suggestions are all around what you want. We don't talk about the problem. Mm. So it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, I have about, I'd say about 10 different recordings for different things. And so cool. um, I try to listen to my recordings, including my personal like vision and mission statement, you know, that mm-hmm. c- it keeps me focused. I try to listen to that several days a week. Um, and it's a, it's a fairly short thing, but it keeps me grounded in what I'm about as a writer and a person on this planet. Um, so, so spending some time doing that kind of thing and then recording it, um, is a, something anyone could do using your phone, you know, yeah. and then, um, really benefit from staying in your own, you know, core beliefs and your core mission in, in the world. So I do, I, I vary them. I'm focusing a lot on health right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and being a healthy writer, keeping my mind, um, able to do the pace that I do because I put out four or five novels a year and that's, that's taxing on any brain, you know? So I'm, um, always working on tools that I think will, will help me optimize my performance. I have very little experience with anything like that kind of thing. Although recently I've just, I'm, I always have trouble, trouble sleeping and I downloaded a hypnosis slash affirmation kind mm-hmm. of meditation for sleep mm-hmm. by Andrew Johnson. And mm-hmm. it has really changed everything about going to sleep. When I, when I turn mm-hmm. on his voice, I, I literally can't listen to it anymore. Cause as soon as he starts speaking, I fall asleep. I just, 
I'm like in and out of sleep mm-hmm. and I'm like, he's talking, but I can't hear his words because I'm asleep. Mm-hmm. And, and just knowing that, you know, actually experiencing that hack in my own brain mm-hmm. that it actually worked mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. me so eager to try these kind of things too. So you're going to love it. It's oh so enjoyable. I can't mm-hmm. wait. So let's, mm-hmm. since you're talking about that's part of your process. Um, and listen, and, and, and everyone listening, you know, we usually do these as all the standard questions, but Toby and I have a history and I just want to kind of branch widely today. Mm-hmm. But I do want to hear about how you get all this writing done. Like where and when mm-hmm. do you do it? How do you get that much writing done on a regular mm-hmm. basis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I basically I have a word count goal of 2000 a day that I'm going for. And is that I am every a day? plotter. Or is that- I shoot for that. I yeah. shoot for that. I don't really um, like to not write. Um, I, I've worked up to having a, a habit. So yeah. I, I, again, one of the things I'm in as a mental health professional is the power of habits and creating habits is actually another brain hack. You know, yeah. when you create a habit you no longer have to go through the whole long resistance process, which Stephen Pressfield talks so yes. beautifully about how every time we try to do something in art, in our art, there's this incredible resistance that comes up against within us. And, and again, I'm just all about trying to hack those things. And one of them is creating habits. And so I don't quite feel right if I'm not writing at least something every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shoot for 2000 at least five days a week. And on the weekend, then I feel bonus if I get my 2002. Um, so it's just a matter of word count that mm-hmm. adds up to books. Um, I am a plotter. And I think that in mystery, you can challenge me because you just wrote a thriller. But oh, it was um, plotted. It was plotted. <laughs> you have to you have to plot in mystery because you're you're creating all these layers. And um, I've done them without and I've had to, I've had to cut up to 50,000 words on my, my second one. I did not okay. Pantsing. Yes. And I was having so much fun. I was like, Oh, she does this. Oh, she does, you know, I was just going away and going. It was so much fun. It was a, it was a NaNoWriMo project, you know, so uh, I was like, ah, yeah. I was, you know, pull out all the stuff and just <laughs> blow it out my ass. And, and it, <laughs> 50,000 words of cutting and rewriting. That's an entire nano. I'm never (laughs) going to do this again, you know, ever to myself. So I, but I do plot about three fourths of the book. Um, I use a fantastic resource that I totally recommend, which is Libby Hawker's um, take off your pants. I love take off your pants. Yes. Yes. She, she encapsulates like I had come across this accidentally by about 10 books into my series like oh here's how you do it you know you've got a problem and a flaw and you're trying to resolve it and you've got forwards and backwards and and you've got an overarching plot you know so of course you've got to do some planning so anyway I do about three quarters of a book and then the last quarter I don't plot and that's where I found in mystery you're or thriller you're always got to have a twist right and every time I try to plan my twist, I, That's I can't plan so it. That's so smart. I can't, I can't plan it. So I, I get to that point and then I have to wait. And my husband is super familiar with this. Like I'll be pacing, I'll be cleaning. It's like, it's time to do the windows and it's trying to like redo the cabinets. And my, <laughs> you know, and he's just like, you're waiting for the twist, aren't you? I'm like, it hasn't come yet. It's like a, you're constipated. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> 
finally the twist gets there and it's just always like, you know, your brain is working on it, you know, but it's just something that the twist is always better when I don't plot. I've never when heard. I try to have it. I've never heard anybody say that because I, you know, I've only written one thriller, but that what you just described is how I write all my books except for the, for the small difference though, is I usually plot my books all the way to the end, but the end ends up like that last quarter ends up to be such garbage by the time I write the first three quarters that I stall throw that out mm-hmm. and wander around. And then I don't actually write to the end. I generally start back at the beginning. That's when I start my whole mm-hmm. revision. And yep. then by the time I've worked through the book that second time, mm-hmm. then when I get there, suddenly that twist. Occur- yeah. The twist Because even in a, even in a romance, you have that, mm-hmm. that shift. Because I always say that like, mm-hmm. if we paint our characters into corners uh, at the dark moment that we can't get them out of, mm-hmm. then we've done a good job. Mm-hmm. then the reader mm-hmm. isn't going to know how mm-hmm. to get them out of tune. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you do something super similar. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love mystery thriller because the surprise, you know, of what those characters show you and how it feels so external from yourself. It's just addicting. I find, Yeah, I love mystery too. I mean, I love um, romance too. I write romance yeah. too, but I, um, I and I pants my romances, and that's why what I like them because you I pants don't them have to fully. Pl- I do. I oh just I'm in girl, and, and then I just kind of like, and I know that certain things sort of have to happen in the in, in the in the genre, um, and I don't quite know how they're going to get there, and that's for me the fun because I have to because writing mystery is so much more especially police procedurals. There's always certain scenes you have to do. There's the morgue. There's the the team meeting at the station. You know, you're writing cops. You can't Mm -hmm. just, you know, make shit up. Mm -hmm. And then, oops, excuse me. Oh, we swear swear sometimes on this show. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, people will call you on it, especially in that genre. You know, if you didn't get it right about the the process and things like that. So I try to um, be respectful. And, um, so there is, there's latitude and then there's not really that much latitude. Yeah. yeah. So are you a morning writer or an afternoon writer or when do you, what is, morning, what is your routine sure. look like? Morning for sure. Yeah. I, and, and the worst is when, if I open my email before I get to my writing, yeah. then I could just go down a freaking rabbit hole of, that happened to you me know, today. responding to stuff. And then I never get my words and then I'm just super unhappy. So I have to hack that too. Like, don't even open it. Just put everything on airplane mode, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, try and get into my story and get my words. And sometimes I, I, that's how I see it is like, I'm catching those words and I'm getting them. And that's mm. how I get them. <laughs> It has to be a priority. I love that. You are, you are motivating me so much. And I, and this is why we're going to go off the rails today because Mm -hmm. I have really been having a hard time. And we started to talk about this when, uh, off air. Mm -hmm. And then we said, no, 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 save Mm -hmm. this because I have been having a hard time knowing how to focus what I want to focus on next Mm -hmm. because I write five different genres. Mm -hmm. Um, and I admitted this on my other show with Jay Thorne the other day. Um, but, I am so tired of writing romance. I'm just over romance right now. I still mm-hmm. love it as a mm-hmm. genre. I still, there's my favorite authors that I would never miss, mm-hmm. but I'm so bored. And I have this third book in a series, which I have been trying to get to, to fit into my mm-hmm. schedule for like a mm-hmm. year now. 
And I am, and I came to this, I came to this revelation the, um, just two days ago that it's my business and I don't have to write that if I, if I don't mm-hmm. need to be pulling my own teeth mm-hmm. just to, mm-hmm. to make what technically on the outside looks like the right choice and to follow our hearts. And I know, and there's the, there's the whole question of who do we want to be and how do we brand ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, with Thriller, I'm going into this new R.H. Heron world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I realized that I really just love writing them, the mainstream women's fiction, um, with a little bit of a darker edge. And I like the lighter, mm-hmm. lighter chiclet stuff. And I love writing the nonfiction, but I, but I know that you've been kind of thinking about this a little bit yourself too. And we, mm-hmm. we were talking about Joanna mm-hmm. Penn's podcast where she's mm-hmm. having to get rid of things in order to focus on mm-hmm. what she really mm-hmm. loves. And what I love personally mm-hmm. is the writing and the um, helping other writers. And I don't love anything else. Those are the two mm-hmm. things that I want to do. So mm-hmm. what, how, do, how does this sound in your head? How, what are you thinking about these days? Oh, t- I just so relate to everything. Um, I'm moving, as you read off in the bio, I'm moving into some nonfiction and that has actually been really hard. Like I have, I have these nonfiction books. I have like three of them mm-hmm. started and they're laid out and they're, they're, some of it's harvested from blog posts because I've done a ton of blogging over the years on different writing topics and things. Yeah. Um, and then every time I sit down to do that, I'm just like, Oh, it's a different beast. It's a different you know, part of our brain, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then I've got romances and I've got one halfway done that's set in wine country that I actually love and I'm really excited about. But those things just do not, for me, I'm not known for that. They do not justify their their time and effort yeah. by the pay. Wow. So they're not, and I'm trying, I'm making a living, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in my mid fifties and I need to sock away all the money I can. And so I can't, I sat down with what do I need to do to be financially solvent and still love what I'm writing. So right now I'm writing my spinoff second major series. And it took me until like, six books in before the thing started taking off. Mm. So when you've had a best-selling, my first series sold USA Today best-selling out of, you know, the whole last five books, every one that hit was on that bestseller list. And so I got a little spoiled and I thought that was going to be, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep, I would think that too. Are you saying that it doesn't? Everything I do is going to be awesome. And and everything I do is awesome, sort of, (laughs) I think, but, um, is it selling awesome? That's a whole other question. So, um, so then I very confidently started my next series with a spin-off character thinking, Oh, this is going to be, I'll just bring my same audience along. Um, but this character was very different from the first character. And oh, then I was experimenting with, um, a whole different romantic subplot. So I have, my mysteries have a strong romantic element in there. And, uh, that's how I meet my need for romance while doing mysteries. Um, and readers love it. it, it, Yes, they do. They love it. Um, but it is a, you know, this person was just not everybody's cup of tea. They met her in the previous series and maybe they just didn't want to go on her journey. Mm -hmm. And I was, that was kind of a rude shock. Like what? Don't you love her? I love her. I love her. (laughs) You're going to love her too. Eventually. Okay. No, it turns out I have to get new readers. Um, 
So that's, that's the thing is like, it's also slightly more action adventure than the previous, you know, cause she ends up leaving the FBI. And so it leaves the strictly police procedural oh, genre and it becomes, you know, amateurs, you know, she's, she's a paid sleuth. She's a private yeah. investigator, but it's a, it's a, goes into a different genre. So again, not everybody's going to follow you. Um, even if you did the cookie cutter next thing, you know, this is what I hear from everyone. And this is within the same genre. You have to build, um, an audience for each, each series. And, uh, I focus on series because my standalones have been great books that have just gone, you know, as far as sales. Um, I'm with you. <laughs> and again, I'm trying to make a living. Right. So it depends on your goal. If you are, this is something that we have a wonderful um, mutual friend, Holly Robinson, who writes She's women's fiction. Who has been on the show. Yes. She, yeah. she is, um, she's helped my writing so much. Do she's you know, elevated my writing. I was just going to so. say that the thing that she did mm-hmm. with my thriller before, between drafts of my agent, before we sent it out, the things that she wrote on my draft mm-hmm. taught me the way that editors mm-hmm. teach me. Mm-hmm. Like she's, mm-hmm. she's brilliant. So go on. She is. And so audience check out her books there. Yes. I call them, um, they're wonderful family mysteries because they're, even though they're women's fiction, um, there's always some sort of naughty problem, a secret that needs to be uncovered. And so if you love mysteries, you'll also love her women's fiction. Her so writing, I just want to, her writing is wonderful. Yeah. yeah just do she's a wonderful. little plug yeah. for her. But my point, um, about that was what it was something. To do oh, with I'm so Donna. sorry. I Shucks. interrupted you. It pulled out my, my train. We got so excited about Holly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we met actually was you through said Holly. That she taught you so much about writing and you were speaking about genre. She and- did. And mm, I can't remember now. We can gun it. But well, in, but in terms of following your heart and the money at the same time, that's where I get a little bit, uh, that's where I get confused and stuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much to it. And marketing is something you have to do. Like what I'm struggling with right now is how much time do I put into learning Facebook ads, you know? Um, because yeah. basically I've looked everywhere for a professional to sort of hand that off to. And there's just nobody out there in my experience, somebody could chime in if they hear of it, a good company who will do the kind of monitoring and adjusting and fixing and all of that, that these kinds of ad campaigns demand uh, a super hands-on and super time consuming. And you can make boatloads of money if you get it right. If you've got a good product, you know, that's what I mean. Yes. The, The assumption being you've got a great product, you've got a beautiful cover, you've got great blurbs. You've got to do all of those things well and then let people know about it. And that's all just these different skills. And like you said, I'd rather be writing and walking my dog or walking on the beach. And those are the things I want to do. (laughs) And typing away and making up (laughs) stories, dictating as I look at the redwoods, you know, that's what I want to be doing. Uh, Tell us more about that. Do you dictate all your all your books or do you dictate a great portion? I'm just getting better at that now. And it's really Yeah. Helpful. Um 
Well, again, I, I told you my focus this year is on health yeah. and on longevity. Um, my great big audacious goal is to write a hundred books. And I, I, I have, I have no doubt I'm going to do it. I have I'm no doubt either. Close, closing in on 35. Yep. Um, and to do that, I just have to manage physical things like back problems, carpal tunnel, which I got from NaNoWriMo oh, on no. a laptop. Totally do not recommend that because once you have carpal tunnel, it's not, doesn't reverse itself. So now it's just always managing myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, what I do now is I, um, I plot by hand. So I use, um, I just, you know, Mm -hmm. standard, I, I, I plot, you know, by hand and then I put it in a, um, in a word doc. I have used Scrivener. Um, and I love Scrivener until this last time. I know I can't get any to surrender my entire book. I can't get anything out of it out of there. I can't get it out. It it would not give me back my book. I'm still using it the heck out. I'm still using it, but I copy and paste. That's just insane. And then I'm like, why am I doing this? No, I'll just use what I learned from Scrivener and do it in word. And I'll never be denied my manuscript. We, we must have done something. We pushed something wrong. We're so but now I'm traumatized. I will say I that my near it again. my friend Vanessa Keir, Google Vanessa Keir, K I E R. She does teach Scrivener stuff, and she'll show us how to get it out there. When I, but I'm so I'm so like mad at Scrivener now. I know. Now yeah. I'm traumatized because I was on a deadline and I could not get that thing to compile or give. I've never it been able to give it up to me. Nope. And I've tried multiple <laughs> times with different books now on the new one, like small, like so I use it for smaller documents too. I can't. Get yeah. It. Oh so my god. Anyway, we keep derailing. Um, what were you saying? Oh, oh, dictation. So then, okay. So then I've got my outline in my Word doc and I will write until I start to get a little stuck. Uh, maybe 500 words. And then I'm like, okay, time for a walk. And I take a walk and I dictate it into my, I just use my iPhone. I just dictate into my, cause I'm like techie stuff, like learn dragon, forget about it. Like I bought it. And then it just sits there pulsing at me and making me feel guilty. And I, I'm like, no, no, I don't really want to be friends with you. Um, so I just, I just use my phone and I dictate into a Google doc using mm. the, you know, how you press the little dictate button mm-hmm. and it goes into a Google doc and then I download that. That's and nice and low time, tech. That's pretty great. Totally. And then I just copy and paste those words into my Word doc and I have a chance to massage them. It gets, um, I've compared with my friend who uses Dragon yeah. and it's, it's in the ballpark of what she gets from Dragon. She yeah. still has to massage all her words. Too. Oh, I definitely do. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, yay. And so I'm, again, I'm going for my 2000 words. So however I can capture them, I can get them by dictation or I can get them by hand depending on the day. Um, So that's a part of the health thing. I like thinking about the combination of that, of Mm -hmm. using both. Mm -hmm. So what else are you doing? And people, people say that it's faster. I have not found it to be faster by the time I've, I'm composing and I'm thinking and I'm talking really slow and about half of it is gobbledygook. And then I have to copy and paste it and fix it. But then I'm expanding the sentences and fixing them. So actually the amount of time to do my 2000 words is certainly not reduced, but what it is, is I'm moving around more and I'm, I'm, I feel like walking and talking access is different parts of the brain. And that's shown with, you know, that's just a, 
common thing. I absolutely agree. And I actually kept track for a while of how much I could get writing by hand as fast as I could and also by dictation, including the Mm -hmm. massaging time to make it actually Mm -hmm. into language Mm -hmm. that was English. And it was almost exactly the same. I think I was maybe Mm a hundred words an hour faster um, Mm -hmm. with dictation, but it, it didn't, it didn't feel like a big It didn't difference. revolutionize. I thought, oh, I'll be a 10,000 word a day writer. It's going to be awesome. And I totally, but then yeah. after 2000 words of talking, even I'm just like, oh, I'm done. My brain just says, I- I'm done. I'm done with this task. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Unless you give me like a big Snickers bar. And then the whole rest <laughs> of my health thing is. <laughs> I just love you so much because my goal lately has been 2000 words a day. And I've been feeling a little bit shabby. Like it's not 4,000, it's not 5,000, which I can get if I bust my ass and then I mm-hmm. really am tired. So I just, and I, and I really respect you as a fast and good writer and a good business person. So if you're doing 2,000 words a day, that's enough for me. Me and Stephen King. Stephen right? King is a 2,000 words a day guy. And he pumps yeah. those excellent books He out. does. I love it's him. just I consistency. Love it's just, you know. Yeah. It's just doing the work all, all the time in season and out of season. That's what makes a difference. I do want to shift just a moment because like, mm-hmm. um, in your email, you said, maybe we should discuss my topic, building your money train of books. Do you want ah! to discuss that at all? Or is that something? Sure. Okay. Sure. Let's give that about I 10 minutes know. and then, then we're going to be out of time. This is oh already like flying by. by. So like, let's not, let's not miss the fun things. Okay. Um, well, I share about that. Um, in more depth when we do a retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, and I think it's, it's not a big secret. Um, but what, what it is is the basic principles that you pick a genre that is got high income potential. And there's some great tools out there to help you figure that out. I like the, um, what is that? Calytics. Oh, yeah. So I, if you're, I'm if you're sitting that. down mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to do romance and I'm not feeling any particular draw to something. You look in Kalytics and you find what's a niche that's selling hot. And this is a paid then, service, I want to say, but I really yeah. think that, what is his name? Alex Jones? Something like that. He does a great Newton, job. Alex Newton. Newton. And Newton. it's, it's pretty cheap. You can, yes. you can get a free one. You and, can get a free oh. one that covers everything. Oh, I didn't yeah. Even know. He's got a free download that's sort of like an overview. Oh, cool. And then you sort of chisel in or become a member and get the monthly reports or whatever. But what he does is breaks down um, sales, uh, particularly focusing on Amazon. And um, so things like cowboy romance set in the 1700s is super hot. Everybody's, you know, (laughs) a bestseller in that niche. And if you feel like you could write that and you're interested, then write a series in that Um, plan to do blocks of three. So this is the money train part blocks of three so that you can repurpose the content into box sets and sell box sets. Yes. So, um, and I also feel like in today's market, you're not going to know whether something's really a hit until you've got at least three books. If, if at three and then, so what I would do is write the three books or get a good start on three before you begin releasing them. And then when you've got those three out, make the first one free and then you begin to create, get a special on it, get people into your funnel, as they call it. Um, And then if it's selling well and you're enjoying the process, add three more. 
add three more. Somebody was saying, asking me about long running series because I've got a 12 book series and now I'm on my ninth book in my spinoff series. And, uh, is that a good thing? Is that not a good thing? Um, I think it's a good thing as long as you're still excited to come to the page every day and explore the character arcs with that. Like my first series, I, I made a couple of mistakes. Um, and the first one had to do with time. The, the characters aged and oh. yeah, the characters aged because I, and I did it a certain way because of certain factors, but, um, I was like, Oh my God. I want them to have a baby and oh my gosh, we're going to have to do infertility stuff. And that's so not mystery genre. And, you know, like, um, (laughs) you know, so, so I, I, at a certain point when I had achieved the things I wanted to do with the character, it was just time to end, even though that thing was so great. And I, and for me, one of the things that's frustrating as a reader is when a, a, a writer is writing a series too long and they're just getting, Mm-hmm. mediocre and blah and you love that character so much you just want to see them again but it's like oh my gosh but not she like wrote that. that three books ago yeah. like it's just recycled content and it's so dead and i'm just not not going to do that so mm-hmm. i ended my series with the perfect ending and as much as people keep begging me to write more i'm like i can't i gotta figure out a way to like attach something new to that but i can't see how to get and if that comes to me i'll do it yeah um in the meantime, I went off in this other direction. I'm now on book nine. I'm thinking in things of three. So if your money train, it's cars constructed with three books a piece and you're, you're linking them on. I love that visual. Yeah. And then you're opening, you know, you're opening the door to your train with your freebie and right. you bring people on. And then once you, um, the thing about box sets, I resisted them for a long time. I wouldn't participate in group box sets. I, I, I thought they would undercut my single titles. Um, turns out box set readers are different readers. They're different folks. Mm -hmm. And so if that, I wish somebody had told me that. So you guys are getting that (laughs) box set readers are binge readers and they're not everybody. And they just, you know, they'll, they'll glob onto something and they want to dive into it and be in it as long as possible. And they read box sets, they buy box sets of their favorite author and they experiment with other box sets and box sets are the thing. And so once I finally clued into this, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have all these books and I can repurpose them. And they're selling great as box sets. I can offer discounts. I can move my backlist more because in the indie world, what's exhausting is that you, you have to keep publishing in order to stay out and, and Mm -hmm. meet readers needs when you've built, you you have to keep going. It's, um, it's not, you can't just like, I think I'll take a year off and go to the Riviera. It's like your business goes, you know, so you have to, um, box sets is a great way to keep your, backlist moving and uh right now my you know my older 12 series was you know been out a while sold a million copies and you know all this is all this good stuff but there was no more books and i had the kindle world for a while and that was great before they closed kindle worlds which was horrible i know can i just say amazon no, thank you for that super stressful experience of 
they just, they were just awful. And I just had another email from them. Just awful. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so, I'm, I'm so shocked. I, I'm like, I'm like this naive and like, I just think everybody's going to play by the rules. Right. Especially the big really, boys. And they're just, yeah. they're just a really, they're just really a business and they really are so big that they can do whatever they want. And are you, in this case, they did. Are you wide with most of your series or are you KU? So right now I have my spin-off series in KU. In KU, okay. And it's a really nice KU is a great place to build um an audience and um get yourself some money, you know, if you're doing something that's selling well. Which for listeners who might be new to the business, that's Kindle Unlimited. And if you put your titles in there, you must be exclusive to can uh to Amazon mm-hmm. while they're in there. So go on. Mm-hmm. While they're in there. And then you're yeah. paid by the page red. Yeah. And the way that you market is a totally different way to market than when you're marketing when you're wide. And so my my big first series is wide. And it's on so many platforms that for me to try to turn it off and my agent got me really obscure things like a phone app in Korea that carries my books. <laughs> like, how can I possibly get that turned off so we right. can go back to KU? Not that I would, you know, because yeah. I I felt like I graduated from that and I worked hard to build presence on the other platforms. And then what's, it's really a luxury to now have a second series that's doing well. And I'm getting to benefit from KU and page reads as well. That's awesome. So that's a nice thing. Again, think of your money train. You've got build your series, bring people along. Every time you do a special on that first book, chugga, 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 chug. A side character can then become um, something that you're kind of building off of. But like I said, you're always going to lose readers in the transition and need to get new passengers on your train. Well, um, let me ask you this then, because now that I'm listening to you, my brain is confused again. And I, and I'm wondering if I should just write that third book, because this is in a, this is in a town called Darling Bay. I have a four book series there, a three book series there. Those are both boxed and I do the promotions and this will be mm-hmm. the third three, uh, this will be a th- three book series in the same town. And there is, you know, there's a lot of crossover readership. Should I just bite the bullet and take a month and write it really fast and get it out there? From a business standpoint, that would be a really smart thing to do. Then yeah. you could have your box set and then, and then you could market again and we could be done. So I what I would do challenge you though, is I just read a book that, that, um, again, I was looking to increase my word count. I'm always looking for that. And it was called 2k to 10k and I was by like, my name doppelganger. <laughs> Rachel Aaron. I know. I picked that up. It's okay? so funny. People I confuse me for her. Yeah. And there's there's a lot, you know, the, the useful part is right in the beginning. And she says, if you're not totally excited to write that book, then there's something wrong with the book. Yeah. There's something wrong with the book. And she, I read that while I was in PEI and I had this next book all the one that I'm doing now, I had it all plotted. I had put tons of hours and time and I went to sit down and I just wasn't excited. And I read that the night before and I come down and I said to Holly, so Holly and I were, we were on Prince Edward Island doing a writing retreat, but it was hardcore work. We were you guys really work 10 hours there. a day. Yeah. yeah. And I come down and I'm like, Holly, I'm not excited to start this book. There's something wrong. It's something wrong. I'm going to have to just start over. And like, I never do that. I just muscle through, you know, that's what I've been doing. And I canned that whole thing. I went and took a nap 
And I just said, brain, you need a new concept. What is this really book? What is this book really about? What, what am I really trying to, what do I care about here? What, what, what is going to excite readers? What is going to excite me? And I, I woke up with like a completely different book. Of course, the same people. Okay. So that's my challenge to you is if you're not excited, there is something wrong with this book. I'm 12,000 words in and I hate it. Yeah. Just like be willing to scrap that whole thing, throw that whole, you know, you can save it to your save file. Yeah. That's what I do. I was like, I can use this again someday. I save it. I you love know, this idea. It hurts too much to throw anything away, but um, there's something wrong with your book. And it, it, and, and once I grabbed onto that and I got that from that book, I'm like, I want to be excited every single day about every scene too. If I'm not excited about this scene, there's something wrong. This is, so that's what she says about moving yourself to the next level of word count. You have to be excited about what you're putting on the page. And if you're not excited, readers aren't excited. Right. Nobody's exactly. excited. Yeah. You know? So that's that's my thought for you on that. I'm going like, to explore that. Yeah. Be willing to chuck that whole thing, but start a new book that you love. That's that third book. And luckily, right now, I just got my edit, my revisions thrown to me for the thriller. So I have like three weeks, three more weeks to do that. So I'm like, yes, I'm off the hook for three weeks. I don't have to worry about it. Put it in. I'm going to put it in the grinder. Yeah. From neuroscience. If you have a problem, this is, you know, just from my background too. If you have a problem that you can't solve, just frame the question really clearly Mm. and write it down or put it into your eyes and read it, put it in your brain and trust that you will solve it. You'll come up with that idea that you need, but you should be excited about every scene, every page that will keep you and the readers happy. Then you know you're doing good. That's work. my problem because I, I've always loved to write romance and I've always been excited mm-hmm. about it. And, it. and it might just be this book, which is ironic because I really got way more into plotting than I ever do with this book. Mm-hmm. And I really know mm-hmm. it inside and out. And I'm wondering if that's just where some of my. Yeah. And maybe it's went killed off. the juju for yeah. you. Yeah. I love and talking I, to you. Yeah. What were you going to say? We got good stuff. I was just going to say that I hadn't thrown away an outline in, in years. And for me to do that this last time was, you know, that was really like I lost a whole day yeah. of my writing retreat, a yeah. whole day of and work, a whole day of, and on days, you know, that's a 10 hour day. Just, but then I came back and I was like, this is so much better. This is so much better. And I'm excited to get to it. So I think that's the that's the takeaway is like we should be energized by our work and and yeah. fulfilled by it, oh even when God. it's romance, even when it's bread and butter, you know, series books. If we're not, then something needs to change about that book. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I didn't know mm-hmm. I needed to hear it. Um, but I <laughs> did know that I was so excited to talk to you. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for being on the show. Please tell um, uh, listeners where you can find both your books and your, um, your, your client coaching writer's work. Mm-hmm. You can look for uh, tobyneal.net has all my books on it, or you can just search for me on any of the retailers. Uh, T-O-B-Y-N-E-A-L. And then, um, I have tobynealcounseling.com. You can see the coaching stuff. 
And I'm in the process of about to get a whole new website starting up next month that's going to have everything merged onto it. Nice. So it won't be separate things. Um, so yeah, I'm easy to find and, uh, would love to hear from anyone. You know, send me an email, um, tobyneal0 at gmail.com. You can just drop me a line and, um, and we can dialogue about anything you heard on the show or questions that might have come up. And I will take this moment to reiterate that there are still a couple spaces on the Pigeon Point retreat. Mm-hmm. It's pretty mm-hmm. cheap to fly to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We're, we're probably an hour and a half south of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe like just an hour. And that, let me look, I'm just going to pull up the exact date so I don't screw anybody up. But they're in September from uh, arriving the night of the 13th and leaving on the 17th, September this year. So. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing time. That's my, I'm big on setting your intention too. And my intention is to completely enjoy it and to to learn so much from you and be able to take a bunch of lucky folks to the next level. So and is a hot tub cliffside. So get out. It's pretty great. I love this place. (laughs) And uh, listeners, you can find that at rachelherron.com slash write. Just scroll to the bottom for the retreats. Mm-hmm. So, Toby, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was an entirely selfish episode. I just wanted to talk to you myself. And <laughs> so, and we let the listeners listen to that. So, thank you, my friend. And I'll talk to you really soon. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>